I'm KC Finey, and this is Fast Company's Creative Conversation, a podcast where we tap into some of the most creative minds in film, TV, music, and beyond. We're tackling the mental roadblocks these creatives have encountered on projects or moments where they felt stuck in their careers. By diving into the problem, finding out how they overcame it, and the lessons they learned from it, you'll hopefully have a clear blueprint on how to manage your own creativity. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. So you are the executive vice president of creative content for RCA Records. So that's actually a very lofty sounding title, but what exactly is it that you do at RCA? Oh. (laughs) Starting off with a philosophical question. (laughs) Yeah, no, brass tacks. I mean, basically, I oversee creation of the content, visual content that's used to promote all of our music releases. So under that umbrella is music videos. Mm -hmm. We're now moving into um, sort of unique content. So that would include anything from a feature film, an artist may want to do a TV show, a a, uh, series, an episodic for an online platform like YouTube or whatever. I mean, basically I'm there to provide a service to our artists for all of their creative pursuits. Right. In, so, t- in terms of visuals. Nice. And I know that you, obviously RCA has some amazing artists, you know, Childish Gambino and SZA and, you know, Normani, which I'm ready for her solo album, like so ready. But I would love if there's like, if you could walk me through um, a specific project to help illustrate uh, the scope of your job. So if there's a specific music video that you oversaw, just kind of walk me through what you did on your end to help see it to fruition. Okay, so I can speak on the music video side of things. Do you want to name a specific artist? Of course. Or just, oh, wow. Give our listeners a frame of reference here. I mean, you this is, t- this is your time to flex. You've worked with a lot of amazing people, so <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm trying to think of a good example. I mean, last year we worked, I worked with Pink on the mm. uh, debut of her first video from the record, her last record, and a song titled What About Us. Of course. Um, it was an interesting challenge because, as you know, she's been in the business for a long time. Since there you go. Yeah, Love and I think any artist cool. that has a certain amount of success and longevity in this business eventually meets um, some challenges in terms of keeping their imaging fresh, mm-hmm. keeping their voice fresh. She was very interested in doing something that felt a little bit different than the other videos she might be known for. It was also sort of an interesting time in the country. Mm. We were post-election, and, you know, she sort of subtly suggested her frustration about the way that things went on this particular record. Mm -hmm. Um, So the goal was to kind of do something that touched on that without hitting people in the head. Right. Um, Sort of making it about, you know her being her but also shining a light on emotions and and things that people might be feeling at the time so i mean my job basically entails listening to the track right that's the first step (laughs) everything starts with the music of course um and then talking to her manager roger davies who is pretty legendary i mean he's managed everyone from tina turner to Cher to sade to janet jackson over the years he's amazing and kind of getting a scope of of what she'd be looking for. I, you know, over the years have amassed a a great Rolodex of talent when it comes to music video directors and 
There's that Other creative professionals, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you go through it. You kind of think about who might be a good match, you know. my The biggest reward in my job um, often is connecting people, mm-hmm. you know, getting collaborators together, right. getting artists who have a vision and, you know, matching them with the, the right creative talent to help execute their vision. Right. That's sort of where I sit in the process. I also... In terms of the process, when it comes to the creative, I flag things that may be of concern. And obviously, anyone in a creative space that's working with other creative people, you have to understand that an opinion is an opinion. Mm. So it's my job to sort of present my opinion. If I have concerns about something, I'll speak on it so it can be discussed and addressed. But it doesn't mean that, you know, every time I say something, everyone's going to drop and, you know, change gears. Well, that's what I was going to ask. That's what, because it seems like in your role, you're, you're kind of like the facilitator and you help, uh, you help like organize things and get and like connect people together. So how do you make sure that you're not overstepping your bounds and kind of step, because like you have the, you have the director, you have the artist, you have a lot of people who are making this music video happen, for example. So how do you make sure that you're not overstepping someone overstepping into somebody else's creative vision in a sense yeah I think the answer to that question is sort of different on every project and any question you ask me I'll always say like it just depends on the yeah. project because it's my job as a, a curator which is basically what I am to kind of look at the situation and customize basically what does the artist need what does the management need some artists need more than others in terms of my involvement you know pink has been making videos for years right. she doesn't need me to recreate the wheel she needs me to help Support whatever her current vision may be. Easy to grease the wheel. Yeah, and then (laughs) grease it. So then it's a lot of like communicating with her management and you know other people on her team and sort of making sure that you know the the pieces are aligned and then also like communicating internally, which Mm -hmm. is a big part of my role as well, keeping our company abreast of what's happening with the content because it's gonna it's going to play an integral role in the actual rollout of the campaign. Right. So what it feels like, what it looks like, you know, it, it bleeds into the album packaging. It bleeds into, you know, she was setting up a VMA performance, mm-hmm. you know. So all these things sort of the pieces should work together ultimately. And um, internal communication, external communication, you know, they're both a big part of, of what I do, kind of keeping everything on track. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And... You know, I want to take it back a bit to earlier in your career when you were a director's assistant to the legendary uh, Diane Martell, who mm-hmm. I think is, she's, oh my gosh, for those who don't know, this woman has worked with everyone from Mariah Carey to Nas to Britney Spears to Beyonce to Method Man. Like, she's Miley Cyrus. She's had such a vast, interesting career. And, like, that's really where you yeah. cut your teeth initially. Yeah. So how would you say that experience laid the groundwork for what you're doing now? Oh, wow. In so many ways. So many ways. And I'm still really good friends with Diane. I'm still a huge fan of hers. And I think that she is um, definitely, you know, a longstanding force in the music video space. Um, The first video that I worked on with Diane as an assistant was Onyx, Throw Your Guns in the Air. Oh, nice. Yeah, I know. I don't know if anyone remembers that. I'm sort of Starting dating myself, but I just want to say I was very young. <laughs> I was extremely young when I began. So, but I was also 
always very composed, you know. I come from a West Indian family, so mm-hmm. I was kind of like, you know, it's just I knew how to act. My first internship was at CBS Records at 16. You oh, know what wow. I mean? Not CBS Records, actually CBS News. I worked at um, in Roseanne Coletti's like watchdog group for a while. So you were on it, 16 yeah. years old and interesting. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I, I grew up at a time when, it, you know, I grew up in Brooklyn and, and my neighborhood was not particularly bad, but it wasn't safe either. And mm-hmm. my mom and dad were very much about keeping us busy. Yeah. So we we had things to do. Right. Got, there's a summer program, there's an internship, like, you know, that's what we were doing. We weren't hanging out, uh, you know, we, we, had a, we had our fun, but we definitely were sort of like focused. And of course focus on doing things that we enjoy because the great thing about that internship that I did at at CBS News was that you know I thought I wanted to be in broadcast journalism mm. so I did that and I worked with you know Roseanne Coletti and all these other great people at CBS but I was like wow I, I don't really like this you know mm. I didn't like the environment felt really stiff it just didn't feel like me right so at the time I was introduced to Diane by a high school friend of mine um you know, I was sort of like looking for what it was that I wanted to do, so I was very open. Right. And um, Diane is a very particular type of human being. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you guys can uh, look her up. About to say, like, just she's, Google her. She's very spirited, very opinionated. You know, she's that was the she's best a, way to phrase it. <laughs> another fellow Brooklynite with, you know, she's gutsy and mm-hmm. she's can be brash but you know also equally just as sweet you know but super talented and her reference base was crazy and I learned so much from her you know she had been a performance artist in New York for a long time and then she became a choreographer her uncle is Joe Papp who started the public theater in New York you know Mm -hmm. so the things that I learned from her in just the way that she prepared her jobs and the references that she used when she met with an onyx or a red man or a whoever it might be in the beginning of her career were, you know, basically some of the, the, you know, these are the things that people learn in textbooks in, in art school and in film class. And, you know, and I didn't at the time that I was working with her, it was, I was just getting into, you know, college or whatever. It's like I was getting an education while I was getting an education, if you Mm -hmm. know what I mean, because I, I worked with her all my way through college and, you know, it was a great experience because she had such a great taste level reference base her the way she worked was was a bit crazy yeah but i learned how important it is to have really focused and calm people mm. on sets yeah cuz production can be very frenetic and unexpected and you know you're dealing with things coming at you from left and right and um i remember while she was working on the Mariah Carey project she was sort of like I don't know, you'd call it these days like a creative director for Mariah mm-hmm. Carey when she first started out. Um, yeah, I was going to say, she was with Mariah from like the start. Pretty yeah, much. yeah, yeah. Tommy brought her on to do dance direction and kind of, you know, because Mariah was a singer, mm-hmm. you know. She Tommy hadn't, Matola. Yeah, Tommy yeah. Matola. She hadn't really learned how to like move just mm-hmm. yet. So that was sort of Diane's job to loosen her up. And then she and Mariah became fast friends, so she started working with her a lot. And they made some great videos together. You guys can look them up. But I say that to say that while, you know, I was working with um, Diane on those Mariah videos, you know, we we had a lot of issues. There was a lot of like back and forth between what the label wanted, what Mariah wanted. And, you know, Mariah felt like Diane should do what she wanted. But, you know, it was Diane's job to kind of make everyone happy. Exactly. And, uh, you know, let's just say there were there were interesting situations and conversations that happened. And some of them were very spirited and, 
you know, things, yes. <laughs> things got crazy sometimes. But, I mean, it was always sort of like you knew things were going to be fine because Mariah was so talented. Right. But um, in the midst of it all, uh, I got to know the um, woman. Her name was Lee Rollins, who was running the music video department at Columbia Records. And she had been dealing with Diane throughout the entire Mariah campaign and, mm-hmm. you know, de- dealt with her on various videos and kind of knew sort of the challenges and benefits and she, you know, she took me aside and she said, wow, I can't believe you can deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> That's a skill in itself, just um, being able to keep And she's cool. like, would you be interested in, in a job at a, at a, at a record label? And I, she said, I'd love to talk to you about coming to work for me. Wow. And that's kind of how it all happened. But I, you know, to answer your question, I took every piece of knowledge that I learned. I mean, it was over sort of a four-year, five-year period that I was working with Diane on and off. And you can imagine the things, you know, shoot after shoot, different production situations, different artists. You know, know, we started with Onyx, and then we're doing Mariah. You know what I mean? So That's what I find so fascinating, and even more so being kind of a fly on the wall to what was happening. So from that, because you mentioned that you saw the importance of uh, being focused and really... Uh, being able to effectively communicate your ideas. Uh, I'm just wondering if there's uh, any specific creative lesson that you learned while working in this environment because it seems like you said you got an education within an, edu- within an education, which mm-hmm. I think is sounds like a perfect way to describe yeah. that position. So is there any specific creative lesson that you that you walked away f- with from that experience? The experience of working with Diane. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, taste. Mm. Yeah. There's something to be said for having good taste. <laughs> <laughs> and not having good taste. <laughs> this is very this sounds like a very coded, very careful, <laughs> carefully phrased uh answer. I mean, I've I learned because I you know I think about all the artists that have sort of stood out over time, the icons of our time, whether it be Michael Jackson or Stevie Wonder or whoever it is, it's like, you know, they all really like really great quality music. They, you know, Michael Jackson was a fan of, you know, very amazing and talented and gifted dancers who he referenced heavily, you know, and you can you can look back and see it, you know, the Gene Kellys of the world and all that. Mm-hmm. And and I think that, um, y- you know, there's, there's at, I'm talking also about a time pre-YouTube. Yeah. You know, so now you can just go online and just like, you know, everyone's got a reference for something. Oh, right. they send you, you know, I'm dealing with artists now and it's like, it's helpful to be honest. I'm not going to knock it, but it's all at their disposal. Mm-hmm. Whereas back in the day, like I... You know, I remember sitting at the um, the uh, museum at Lincoln Center. They have a, a audiovisual room. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a dance documentary that Diane said that I should see, and it was a dance documentary about social dance from um, 1920s to 1960s in America. It was like four to five hour-long episodes. Mm. I couldn't see that anywhere. You know, right. I haven't looked it up, but it might be on YouTube now. But I actually right. had to go and sign in and go sit in an AV room yeah. at, at the Lincoln Center um, viewing room and, and watch it because I just really wanted to see it. So, you know, learning how to um, bring a good taste level and a great reference base to the work you're doing, I think, is important. 
I think that um, it's sort of what I like to do. I know that, again, going back to customizing, I don't think it's going to be as important on every single project. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, I learned that from Diane, yeah. you know. I learned to, to, to look for quality, you know, and figure out how to inject quality into whatever you're doing. Because if you go back, and I encourage anyone listening to this to go back and look at the Onyx Doya Guns in the Air video, it was beautiful. Yeah. It was beautifully shot, you know. And then Jim Feely, the DP on that, like, was a good friend of Diane's, and we, we shot a lot of projects with him. And, you know, that I learned about, you know, film stock from him. And, you know what I mean? He was like my buddy, yeah. you know. So we spent so much time together. So... I learned other lessons. I mean, I could go on and on about the things I learned from working with Diane, but I think that's a that's a value that is, you know, there there's there's no way I can put a price tag on that part. Right. You know, because I could have had another mentor that maybe had a different approach that, you know, maybe wouldn't have given me the same sort of like base level in terms of seeking out, you know, quality. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And did you ever have aspirations of becoming a music video director yourself? Um I thought about it, but I've spent so much time with directors that I feel like it's it never really looked like that much fun to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's yeah. it's there's a lot of pressure, and I feel like if you're doing that, you have to really want to do that. Right. Um, and I also think that there's sort of, I, I mean, art and commerce, right? That's sort of where my world collides. Right. And... I'm somehow managing to traverse both, you know, speak commerce to artistic people, you know, and vice versa. And I think that that's, you know, I'm going to just say for myself, I feel like that's a unique skill set and it's been working for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, you know, the moments in which I'm like, oh, I have an idea for something. I'd love to be able to execute it. Like, I just am not as passionate about just doing that one part of it. Right. You know, I just... I, I to answer your question, I've thought about it, but it just I didn't want it badly enough to pursue that. That's fair, mm-hmm. and it's funny you may bring that up because you know you you do have this history, this long history in music video production and in video strategy, and as you mentioned, that gives you a really unique perspective. So from that point of view, how have you seen music videos evolve both from a creative standpoint and as a marketing tool? Yeah, it's been cyclical. Um, when I started doing music videos, they were very inexpensive, and you tried to make them as creative as you could for not a lot of money because people weren't investing a lot in them. And then I was sort of, just as I started to do projects of my own, there was an explosion of um, the art form, and it was, you know, MTV everywhere. Like, you know, there was just a great platform for them, and they, again, this is, you know, before YouTube, people had appointment TV to watch yeah. videos, right. you know, the TRLs and all that. And now so, it's all on demand. Yeah, yeah so. <laughs> yes, it's basically on demand now. So for me, that that sort of um, growth, and then it, it was com- a bit compressed at a, a difficult time in the industry when sales weren't as great and, you know, people were stealing music, and then there was this effort to kind of spend less. And, you know, I, I saw it go into sort of like, you know, I feel like music videos had sort of like this flat period where there were six people all doing the videos Thank and they you. all looked the same. Okay. And they all I'm not like, crazy because yeah. I know, because the thing is like, I, I'm kind of a fanboy of like music videos and music video directors. I think, yeah. you know, because I, I remember 
I wish the show would be back, but you know, behind the video on the music video, oh not on MTV, and I just feel like it's it, there seemed like a period where it really did feel flat, as you mm-hmm. mentioned. Like there was, it, it, I missed the production value. I miss, I miss like the people, like the where's like the Michael Jackson Jackson yeah. Scream video, like where people yeah. or Missy Elliott and like her insane vision for yeah. things, and it just felt like there's a time when it just all kind of wasn't that yeah like just kind of creatively flat yeah people were still putting out music videos but it didn't feel like the same level of creativity as in the past i agree Hmm. i totally agree and i think on my side of things what i saw is um there was sort of this weird standard for music video budgets and people found it easy to become directors and become famous by being a director because that was a time also when your name was on everything and right. you know if you're looking for a, you know as they call clout now like <laughs> you know you could just become a video director didn't mean yeah. you were great and you know <laughs> many of them were copying people like you know it's, it's always funny it's like people are referencing something that is just like out right now you know yeah, what I mean right. like, can we dig a little deeper <laughs> somebody just did that <laughs> So, um, but yeah, and I also think the palette in terms of the audience, they got sort of, you know, used to having, you know, chicken broth, you know what I mean? Like they just got used to it and then everything just had to look a certain way and, you know, because everyone thought that that's what everyone wanted. But the minute things shifted and got a bit more creative and people started to stretch a bit more, like you noticed it, you know? I think now we're in sort of like a robust period in music where all the, the the artists that we all love, like the Gambinos and all these other artists that are making like great visuals, they understand how important it is and how important it is to try to make them unique. Going for a walk, grabbing coffee, these are common ways to get through a mental block. But what about a work roadblock that affects productivity? A Citrix workspace can help with integrated collaboration tools, seamless file access, and a consistent user experience across devices, freeing you to work your way anywhere. Because when your mind is free, you can be creative, efficient, and productive. Learn more at citrix.com fastco. That's C-I-T-R-I-X dot com slash F-A-S-T-C-O. Right. You know? And so... What is it that you look for in a music video director and his or her style? Because, you know, in the example you gave at the beginning of the interview talking about Pink and, you know, you were really uh, gave you, you suggested kind of a bunch of different music video directors. So in what what stands out to you in this landscape of, you know, music video directors and the different styles and all that? Like what catches your eye to say like this? This could be someone that I want to work with with one of my artists. Yeah, I think, number one, um, the look of the work, just very simply, Mm -hmm. like the way it looks, the cinematography, the feel of it, um, how effective it is at being a compelling interpretation of the song, Mm -hmm. because I think so much of it is about the music. Um, And depending on what the artist wants, I'm also looking for strengths in that particular director um, you know, in that particular case, I was looking for someone that could shoot dance really well, mm. you know, and, and Georgia knows how to do that. She loves dance. She's obsessed. Yeah. I mean, when I met her, I flew actually to the UK for other things, but we sat down and met before I even suggested her I, to um, Pink's team. And um, I really liked her, but we were geeking out over like all these like dance references that we loved. Right. And, you know what I mean? So in that particular case, I was I that spoke to me, you know, right. that's not going to be 
right for everybody. But in that particular case, she had a very, very strong sense of how to shoot dance in an interesting way. And, you know, I just, I just, and I also liked her, Mm -hmm. you know, because so much of this curation and creating collabs is about, are they going to like each other? You know, are they going to be able to spend days together prepping this piece of content? Are they going to, you know, butt heads and are they going to be able to resolve it if they do, you know? So I just really thought that she was like a, you know, she was a cool, cool person. So, right. and so I mean, how do you how do you kind of settle those creative disputes when you're not dealing with a cool person? And you don't have to name any names, but just <laughs> when because there's a I lot mean, of voices in the room. Sometimes <laughs> they don't get resolved. Sometimes everyone just huffs and puffs and goes into their opposite corners, and you know. That's creative timeouts. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of times it's me mediating and trying yeah. to translate for each side. Hmm. I spend a lot of time in the middle, yeah. you know, but I'm fine with that, you know, because I actually, you know, the, the thing about working with creatives is like everybody has the thing that they want to do and people right. get stuck in it. You know, people get stuck in the mud, I call it. You know, you're, exactly. you're so focused on one thing that you can't see the greater vision. And sort of my job is to keep everyone focused on our greater goal mm-hmm. no and then sometimes when you run into issues you just have to remind people what it is you're trying to do right <laughs> so i feel like you know on the flip side of what what kind of excites you and what you what you what you what you look for in music video directors and music videos what would you say is missing from the landscape of music videos because we are in a great i feel like we are definitely well past that plateau that music videos had for a while but is there anything that you look out in the landscape and think like something's missing creatively um I think it's it's a hard question to answer because I feel like the music landscape right now is so full I want to use the nice word of saying full not you know, saturated, saturated over- cluttered. Over- I mean, yeah. someone might use those terms, but it's rich right. with artists. Um, and I think the beauty of the music business right now, when you're not in a label structure, you have the ability to create a fan base of your own, release your music independently, nurture your own specific fan base. Um, and I think what happens with that is that you do tend to start making things for those people mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. and you're sort of like okay what my what do my fans want you know what I mean so mm-hmm. I feel like then you're not really thinking about the art form of it all mm-hmm. it's just sort of making an effective tool to promote whatever the particular song might be that right. you're promoting um I mean, I have to say that RCA in particular, I can't speak for every label, but our A&R staff does a great job of bringing in talent that is very creative mm-hmm. or at least wants to be creative and they want to do things that are different and stand out. And, um, you know, I feel like that part of it starts with the artist. And because there's so many artists out there and they all have a right to live. They all have the mm-hmm. right to tour and you know, you may not want to be, you know, Justin Bieber. You may just want to have your, you know, 600,000 fans and be able to tour all year and m- make a few hundred thousand dollars and feed your family, you know what I mean? Right. It, everyone doesn't want to jump off the bridge when it comes to creative, you know? Mm-hmm. 
if you have a fan base and you have a career making music and a lot of people that's their dream and you're able to sustain that then that's I feel like that's fine I feel like there's there's a road out there for everybody right now right you know it just kind of depends so when you talk about the great periods in music video you're talking about a time when you know the industry wasn't so saturated yeah. when when the the vehicles and platforms to actually view music videos were very limited compared to now you know yeah i mean you could go on youtube and find whatever whenever and then t- you know you can start there but there are so many other places to view videos now yeah. and i think that we're just never going to get back there we're never going to get back to when Michael Jackson made Thriller. It just, you know, we have it as a reference in time, but that type of, you know, um, aspiration and, and, and ambition with, with making these, like, groundbreaking visuals is, is it should still be there for sure, mm-hmm. but I just don't think it's going to be as prevalent in, in culture as it once was, you know? True. I guess, like, from, from a creative standpoint... What would you say has been the most challenging project of your career? From a creative standpoint? Because mm-hmm. we didn't even uh, touch on the fact that I'm you're gonna, a producer on You're going to trigger my PTSD. <laughs> I was going to say, have you buried it so deep now that you can't think of it? Because you, you've worked with so many amazing people that, I mean, I imagine that there have I don't want to name names, though. Oh, okay, okay, so you know what? Yeah, you can if you can just give the you're very good at uh, giving very uh, diplomatic answers. So if there's yeah. any way to answer the question without naming names, my give. biggest creative challenges come when people are trying to force it. Mm-hmm. If that that's a way that I would say it. Yeah. Okay. If the artistry is not authentic and true, and you're trying to create something, those tend to be the most challenging. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So if you if you had words of wisdom and knowledge for aspiring musicians or people who want to get into the music video directing space, like what would you say? I would say um, study, mm-hmm. learn, and think outside of the, you know, maybe your your artist, your go-to artist that you love, I'd say, Try to learn about the art forms that you're stepping into. You know, when you when you come into a career in music, especially if you've made it to to sort of someone like me who's at a label, which means you did a, you did something. You yeah. know, you got signed. You're like, you know, you went through a lot of steps. So right. hopefully, along the way, you started thinking about what it is that you want to do and present, and 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 what you feel like your place is going to be in the landscape of music. I mean, if you have ambitious ambitions to do and be, you know someone of note and someone who people will remember then you should be looking at people that have 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 done things that you feel are memorable and think about why you like them and mm-hmm. you know what I mean and what you want to do and it's hard when folks try to I mean I just don't like the idea of like and that was also a period in music too where there was a sort of like insta insta artist thing where mm-hmm. if like you s- did enough YouTube posts and somebody likes your singing and all of a sudden you got a deal and then right. you were an artist and right. it's like okay you know but I like to sing in my shower doesn't mean that I should have a deal <laughs> no and I'm speaking about specific p- 
people. Of course. I mean, some people are, uh, some artists that we have now that I know that are like great and very talented that were discovered that way, but there's also a large percentage of them. And there was also like a little bit of a time period, I'd say probably eight, nine years ago when that was sort of like, there was a lot of that. Yeah. I don't know if it was just because YouTube was so fresh and A&Rs were just, you know, feeling lazy and they just look online and it's like oh they sound great give them a deal I think it goes back to your issue or your point of it's just clout you know it's like people there's so much energy around this person that Mm -hmm. they think that that can carry them all the way through and that person doesn't really actually learn the craft of music you know so you have to kind of understand so you can communicate and advocate for yourself because otherwise if you sit around and let everybody try to figure it out for you that's that's I'm not going to say it doesn't ever work but you, it, the the level of success is is not very good. Nice. Well, I think that that's a good place to end it with those words of wisdom, Camille. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. That was weird. <laughs> this is might I add, this is Camille's. Uh, she said this is her first podcast interview, and I think she did a great job. All right. I'm just saying. You like it? I love it. Thank <laughs> you for having me. <laughs> You're great. What are you talking about? Thank you for listening to Creative Conversation. Make sure to rate, comment, or subscribe if you like what you've been hearing, and I'll see you next time.